Welcome to another ministry podcast. There are a lot of podcasts about ministry, and this is another one. Hey, I'm Steve, and this is my podcast reflecting on ministry in a few different contexts and my experience there. Please know that I'm not pushing any specific political agenda or official doctrine of the church. I have my convictions about those things, and they may pop up in the course of the episode, but I'm not trying to be adversarial in any way. I just like to talk about ministry stuff. Hey, welcome to episode nine. Where uh, today I want to talk about um, some of my thoughts about the current, uh, well not just current, but uh, racial issues that uh, have seemed to be kind of um, peaking or maybe coming to a head uh, recently with the murder of George Floyd. Uh, also recently, uh, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery. And uh, so just uh, I want to talk about some of my uh, experiences, uh, not uh, as a, as an African American man, cause I'm, I'm white ca- Caucasian. Uh, but I want to talk about, uh, my history with racism as a white guy and, uh, how my thoughts, uh, about it have changed. Uh, <clears throat> now that I'm a, a father to, uh, two biracial kids. And, uh, so, um, I just want to talk about that a little bit today and, uh, just get some of my thoughts out and, uh, and, and, and talk about specifically how it relates, um, to a ministry context. So, cause that's what this whole podcast is about, right? It's about my experiences in ministry. And, uh, and so this is, you know, everything relates to it in some way. So, you know, for several years now, we've seen headlines about, uh, black men and women being killed during interactions with the police. And, uh, if you look at data, um, if when, once you account for uh, percentage of population, uh, Black men and women are more than twice as likely to be killed by police than uh, white people, and uh, you can look up you can look up those statistics, and uh, it's it's just the way that it is. So, and you know, ever, ever since this happened, or it's been brought to more media attention several years ago, one of the the first first uh, interactions that I remember uh, where I had you know some real thoughts about it was uh, with Trayvon Martin. And, uh, you know, I would always, I remember looking for, um, looking for excuses. I would say things like, you know, let's wait for all the facts to come out. And, and I would, uh, inflate the importance of anything that hinted at a, a criminal background or, you know, anything like that. And, um, you know, let's, uh, and, and to be clear, I, I am, was, still am a, second amendment supporter and and most of the time i would view these events through that lens because you know as uh someone who is concerned about our right to keep and bear arms um you know and i still am to an extent uh you know all of these was a concern about that that these events would affect those rights and so you know i would always look at them through that lens i would also look at these events through uh, my lens as a conservative um, I am a, a registered Republican, and uh, I believe, you know, in, in the individual's rights over the states. I believe in, in capitalism, the free market, and uh, you know, although my views on those have have changed slightly over the years, uh, but more importantly than any of those, uh, I'm a Christian, obviously, and and uh, you know, my spiritual views I feel like line more closely with conservatism, but uh, but I've been over the past several years shifting kind of toward the middle, right? Maybe a uh, more of a, a left-leaning conservative, 
Um, and I'm, I don't really know exactly what that looks like. I try not to do focus a whole lot on, on labels, but you know, that's, that's kind of where I am. Um, because I've, you know, God's been working in my heart to have more compassion toward those who are negatively affected by policies. And, and I'm more willing to support policies that seek to help those people who are, uh, unfairly impacted by those things you know and those policies are usually more liberal and I've, I've struggled with my feelings for a while now i love my country i believe in equal opportunity for all i believe in unborn rights the rights of <clears throat> a, a, a fetus a, a baby sorry i don't want to call it a fetus uh, a human being in the womb i believe in traditional marriage uh, between a man and a woman as god ordained it from the beginning and and there are many other facets of conservatism that you know align closely with my beliefs but i've been feeling that uh conservatism uh, republican party and specifically has been writing off the experience of minorities and those who are economically disadvantaged for a while and it just doesn't sit well um with me especially given where i am now but let me back up several years uh i am 40 years old, 4-0, just turned 40 back in March, and um, I am, I consider myself to be an exennial, um, not quite Generation X. Uh, technically, I guess I fall in line with uh, millennials, but I don't really feel like a millennial, so uh, there's a term called exennial, which is kind of an in-between, um, and so I, you know, I, that's kind of how I consider myself. Uh, in my lifetime, I have witnessed racial jokes, uh, uh, racial slurs, thoughts, and actions personally. Uh, I've even repeated some of those myself. I've, I've used and, and believed at one point in time in all of the stereotypes. Uh, I've used the N-word towards an African-American person twice. Uh, once in fifth grade, um, uh, a, a guy named Keon Whitesides, and uh, he's, he's a, a great guy, and, uh, and, and I've I called him an N-word, um, and the crazy thought is we were friends, you know. And uh, but I, I wasn't in the moment using it in a friendly term. There was a, a young girl in sixth grade named Jaquitha, and I, her last name escapes me. Um, I, I've called her an N-word, um, the N-word, I guess. Um, I have had friends whose parents were highly critical of Martin Luther King Jr. and what he stood for. I have been guilty of thinking of people of color as quote unquote less than. Um, I, I was an idiot and I've committed these sins against these people and against God who they were created in the image of just like me. But that was me. And then eight years ago, um, my wife and I were licensed, still are licensed foster parents and looking into adoption. And we got a call about a little baby girl that uh, was just about to be released from the hospital and needed a home. And, uh, and so we um, went and met uh, Mackenzie, my daughter, and she was beautiful, still is beautiful. She has gorgeous brown skin. She has a sassy attitude, um, which is, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that that's a stereotype. Um, I don't believe it is. But she definitely does have a sassy attitude. And I fell in love with her from the moment I held her. And since then, God has been using her to change my heart. And 20 months later, we got another call about a little baby boy in the same situation. And of course, the same thing happened. We apparently have trouble saying no because now we have 
four children adopted out of foster care. And of course, uh, this little boy, Jaden, I fell in love with him from, from the first moment I held him. And like his sister, although they're not biologically siblings, but, but his adopted sister, I guess, um, he has a handsome skin tone, uh, similar color, beautiful brown. And uh, both of these are, are my kids, not, not the flesh of my flesh, certainly as the Bible says, but, but they absolutely have my heart. And uh, so since then, uh, I've had a much different lens to look to look at to look through at these uh, shootings and, and these uh, issues that people of color face. And uh, when I see uh, you know the video of George Floyd dying on the street, I have to realize that that could be my boy, right? That could be my Jaden, and uh, it breaks my heart. And I try to place myself in, in Mr. Floyd's shoes and his mother's shoes and his community shoes. And it's really gutting. Um, it really hits hard. And um, now some may call this uh, virtue signaling. And virtue signaling <clears throat> is the idea that you know you only feel a certain way or say that you feel a certain way to try to show how good of a person you are, to show how virtuous you are. And um, and, and maybe that has happened. I'm, I'm certainly not immune from uh, from having done that in the past. Um, but you know, call it whatever you will. Um, God is changing my heart. Toward this situation has changed and it's, and it's still changing. He's still working on me. Um, you know, I'm in, in a little bit of an odd situation. I'd been a, a certain way for a long time and uh, I feel like I'm in the process of, of waking up, maybe even some may say becoming woke. Uh, and uh, I'm not 100% sure what that means, uh, but I'm, I'm definitely rethinking uh, a lot of my thoughts uh, from years past. Um, I don't feel like I have become woke yet, but I like to think I'm trying really hard to understand and to get better. And I've had some, you know, I get get emotional about something and maybe post a couple of things on social media, getting a couple of arguments. And maybe some of that has been some kind of virtue signaling. You know, where was I at before when Trayvon Martin died? I certainly was silent then or when many of the other African-Americans have died at the hands of police you know in recent years i i was quiet um because i was not the same person that i am now um and uh you know honestly i don't know i can't really describe where i was and, and where i am now other than just to say that i'm trying to change uh, i'm allowing the holy spirit to prompt me to change me, to stop having certain feelings, thoughts, and attitudes. It's been a process and one that's obvious, that's honestly long overdue. And, you know, I feel horrible that it took me having a vested interest in the situation to begin to get to this point. You know, had I never uh, had uh, biracial children, African-American children, you know, would I have ever gotten to this point? And, and you know, if I'm being really honest, the, the odds are, are pretty low. Um, you know, now, now kids uh, should never be used as political fodder, and, and I don't feel like I've done that, but they've definitely helped me to see things differently. So uh, what have I been doing the past couple weeks since the murder of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor? Um, and not just those two. There was, um, and again, the name escapes me. I'm horrible with names, uh, which is which is awful trait to have for uh, someone in ministry because you need to remember people's names. It, it takes me a while. Um but uh, what have I been doing since the, the most recent uh, outrage? I've been praying a lot um, for the Holy Spirit to, to help me 
uh, understand, for the Holy Spirit to change me, right? Uh, I've been listening, uh, following Christian leaders of color on Instagram. Uh, I'm only on Instagram right now because uh, because of some of the arguments I got into on Facebook. I just said, you know what, I want to take a break. And, uh, you know, it's been actually kind of nice. I might not ever go back. I don't know. Um, but on Instagram, I've been following uh, leaders of color, um, uh, John Gray, who's a pastor in Greenville, South Carolina, Dr. Eric Martin, who is an author uh, of a book that I'm reading through right now. It's called Woke Church, and uh, it's really good about how the church should should view uh, these issues. Uh, another lady on Instagram I've been following, she does a, a daily uh, like live devotion, uh, Oshita Moore. Uh, of course, Jackie Hill Perry, Dr. Bernice King. Uh, there's a campaign called the And Campaign, which is the idea of, of viewing people with compassion and the conviction of the gospel. Um, sometimes we, uh, we we lose the compassion. Uh, I have. I'm not gonna, you know not going to paint with a broad brush and say that all conservative people do or all Christians do, but I know I I I, I have been guilty of that. Um, and there are so many others to learn from. Um, like I said, I've, I've gotten off of Facebook uh, I, just because it, it was it was just too much. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Let me get a sip of coffee here. Um, I kind of realized that uh, my Facebook had become uh, somewhat of an echo chamber. And, and an echo chamber is just the idea that... Um, you only follow people who have similar mindsets as you. And so you only hear the same ideas floating around all the time. And, 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 you know, of course that's all you think about and that's the only side that you're willing to, to see. And so, you know, getting off Facebook, I think has actually been really good for me. Um, I've been talking a lot to people, uh, coworkers and friends who are African American, uh, one in, one friend in particular, uh, Miss Simmons uh, from work. Uh, last week, um, I was at the school doing something, and, and uh, I was leaving. And on my way home, uh, I called her because she lives close by, and I said, "Hey, I want to come talk to you. I just want to come hang out for a minute. I hadn't seen her at all since the quarantine, and and uh, and we were really close. Our, our rooms are right next to each other, and we talk all the time. And um, she's uh, really counseled me." through a lot of my feelings and a lot of my heart change over the past several years. <clears throat> and so last week I, I sat on her porch and we talked for, for over an hour, um, uh, just about these issues. And she told me about some of her experiences. And, uh, we had in our small town, um, a, a small demonstration protest, if you want to call it that, uh, of, of just people gathering peacefully. And, and it was beautiful. And she was part of it. And she told me about her experiences with that. And, and uh, her mom, uh, who actually uh, marched on Washington back in the '60s, I believe, had 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 uh, concerns about her going because, uh, in in her mom's experience, those those protests often turn violent. And and we've seen around the country that uh, I w- I don't want to say that those that protests around the country have turned violent. There, I believe, there have been people who have capitalized on the situation to uh, be violent. And, uh, yeah, I, I want to be very careful about lumping the looting and the riots in together with those who are, who peacefully protested. Um, I, I do not believe that that's been the case, that those people who 
you know, started out peaceful, then turned violent. It's two separate groups of people. And um, so, you know, uh, Miss Simmons and I, uh, she was telling me about her mom who, you know, had some concerns about her going to that uh, that demonstration and, and uh, you know, telling me about, you know, some of her mom's experiences growing up and, and uh, segregation and, um, <clears throat> you know, just about how it it changes or it changed um not changed not changed it, how it molded their views on uh our country and, and how it molded how they see themselves and and, and how they see us uh, as, as white people um she knows that i'm really trying to understand and man she is so patient with me uh I, i'm so grateful for that because i try to say the right things but end up saying something stupid and probably insensitive and, and of course not meaning to, but like I said, she's so patient and, <clears throat> and loving and, and she gently corrects me. Um, she has directly experienced racism. Her son, uh, who her son experiences racism, uh, daily on a, on a small level. And, and that's a lot of what's going on right now. You know, overt racism isn't as prominent. You know, a lot of people, when they, when they say or hear about racism, they think about, you know, um, burning crosses and lynchings. Um, that a lot of that's not happening now, although it, it does still exist. I think just last week in Alabama, uh, there was a, a report of a cross being burned uh, on a bridge in a, in a uh, predominantly African American community. But you know, the the thing that um, is really kind of a big deal now, and, and what I'm really trying to to focus on in my life, is the little things that we may not realize that uh, affect. Um, our uh, African-American brothers and sisters. Um, It's like, uh, it's the little things, like watching an African-American person in a store, right, kind of uh, following them around. And I've heard those stories about, you know, a young black man or a young black person in a store being followed uh, just to make sure they're not going to steal anything or, you know, being questioned about, you know, having stolen something or something like that. Um, We have often uh, certain preconceived notions uh, about a black person because of the way they dress or their culture at large. Um, my friend's son, Miss Simmons' son, uh, is a kindergarten teacher. So likely one of the least threatening people that you'll ever meet. Um, but he's a bigger guy, and, and people look at his size and combine that with the skin color, and uh, they view him in a, in a threatening manner sometimes. Um, she told me that he often will walk into, say, a McDonald's, for instance, and people, you know, having a conversation will stop their conversation and just watch him, um, and it feels very suspicious. He had a, he hasn't done anything, you know. He's tired. He's he's ran down by a group of adorable terrorists, and just wants to go get his food and go home. But he can't seem to do that without being eyeballed. Um, imagine how that would weigh on you and wear you down. You know, if every day of your life you felt people being suspicious of you, I, I can't, I can't even imagine that, right? Um, imagine being watched as you go through a convenience store looking for that perfect snack. You know, do I want salty or sweet, or do I want both? Do I care about carbs, or do I go, do I go ahead and get the huge honey bun? That's all I want to think about in a convenience store. You know, what sort of snack and drink do I want? Um, but many people of color don't have that luxury. So, I don't know, maybe I am virtue signaling. Call it what you want to. I just want to see everyone how God sees them. He sent Jesus to die for them, and he desperately desires a relationship with them. And how can I possibly think less of anyone that God loves? 
It shouldn't be that way. So I'm trying hard to change for my friends, for my kids, for my creator. Um, I can't be the same way that I have been in the past. And my only regret is that it took this long. So what now? How does this affect my ministry? Um, well, I, I talk to my students about these issues. I, I always, you know, in, uh, I, I try to state emphatically up front that I don't have all the answers and I don't understand it all, but I feel like it needs to be talked about. It needs to be addressed. We need to start thinking about uh, these things and, and evolving our mindsets uh, toward these issues. Um, last week, I started a, a lesson series with them that was made by the Youth Cartel and was available to uh, gold members on DownloadYouthMinistry.com for free. And uh, so it's a four-week series. And uh, so <clears throat> I started that with them last week. And it's a, a series about race and injustice. And uh, one of the, the most powerful things, we viewed a, a video of several guys talking about their first experience with racism. And uh, we read in Scripture about how we are all created equal and that God desires justice for all people. Uh, one, of the thing, uh, one of the things that in, in the book Woke Church that I'm reading by Dr. Eric Martin is how you know, justice and the gospel are, uh, are integral to each other. Right? Part of the gospel is, is not only that you know, our sins are forgiven, but now we uh, have the, the responsibility to seek justice for the oppressed, to seek justice uh, for those who are treated poorly. Um, and of course, you know, last we talked about you know, the ultimate hope for anyone is in Jesus. Uh, because we're all sinners um, and and desperately in need of forgiveness of our sins to to be brought back into a right relationship with our maker and and we talked about that and and you know we viewed um, sorry the the greatest thing ever would be if everyone became Christians and and much of the trouble that we see uh, would end but unfortunately that's not realistic you know, we see in Matthew chapter 25 and, and then toward the end of Revelation that a lot of people will never trust their, trust their lives with Christ. Right? They will never develop a relationship with Him. Jesus Himself said that the way is narrow and few people find it. And we talked about that and how, you know, yes, that's the ultimate goal and that's our desire and that's what we want to see. Uh, but um, in the meantime, you know, we can't act unjustly and and you know and think that well you know if everyone would just become like Jesus you know they would they would straighten themselves out because there's kind of some um, some inborn uh, not inborn there's there's some inherent um, racist thoughts and in, in statements like that you know well if those black people would just find Jesus they would straighten you know they would get straightened out and no one said that I want to be clear <laughs> no one has has ever said that uh, in that manner but that's kind of the, the tone behind it right or, uh, it's you know perceived that way um, uh, so uh, I hope it was received well um, I'm doing lesson two tonight and we're talking about white privilege and that's another uh, sticky area because you know you talk about white privilege and people think well I wasn't privileged I wasn't growing up well it's not about how much you how much you had or didn't have uh, that makes you privileged. You know, the idea behind white privilege is that you get to go about your daily life doing things without being harassed, um, without being looked at as suspicious. You know, one of the stories that we that we talked about last week, uh, there was a uh, one of the guys' stories was that his family 
uh, was part of a church, and they had went to like a weekend retreat, like a family retreat, back in the I don't know maybe nineties, and um, one of the families, a white family, had brought you know a small uh, portable TV. You know, back in the day, if you if you know what I'm talking about, it's you know one of those little TVs, probably like a you know I don't know eight inch screen or something like that, and uh, he said he was helping his friend. Uh, carry carry their stuff out to their car and and he was carrying the tv uh, he's, he's a african-american man and um he said someone called the police on him they're at the christian camp you know you're, you're surrounded by people who are supposed to be loving and, and supposed to be uh followers of jesus and and this guy was trying to help and he was viewed suspiciously so um, you know that that's white privilege, or or that's that's unprivileged. Um, if a white person was helping someone else carry that TV, not to say police would have never been called, but it's much much less likely that they would have been. Um, I haven't had any parent complaints about uh, what I talked about last week yet, uh, and of course, you know my church uh, is loving and very accepting. You know uh, they love my kids and my family. We have. You know, a few biracial families at the church. Um, I didn't have a worry about anything like that. My biggest worry is that people will think I'm no longer conservative, or maybe I'm anti-police. And and really, what people think of me doesn't matter. Although I have a hard time with that because I, I want I'm a people pleaser. I like I want people to, to think well of me. Um, but it's it's annoying to deal with, right? Um, but I'm not anti-police. I'm not. Uh, a liberal or, or left-leaning uh, or, you know, a Democrat or anything like that. And if you are, that's great. You know, there there are Christian Democrats and, you know, we can disagree on, on certain policies or, or whatever. And um, But I'm not, you know, I'm not anti-police. I have a, a really good friend and a co-worker who's a police officer. Uh, he's white, of course, and I've never thought or known him to be or act racist in any way. He works closely. Well, he's actually the, the school resource officer at our school. And, and I've never seen him act negatively toward a student of color uh, who's in our school. And, and, and I don't believe that he ever would. Our county sheriff, uh, Sheriff Francis, uh, he always greets me whenever he sees me out in public. And, and I don't really know him, but I guess, you know, back when, you know, years ago when, when uh, Mackenzie was born and she came into our lives, I was really trying to make an effort to get healthy. And, uh, you know, I'm still, still trying to do better, but not as hardcore as I was then um I, I you know started doing some running and, and I completed several 5ks and he would be in them and uh, he would always encourage me when he would pass me on the way back like he would have he would be on the last part of his <laughs> of his race and I would be still toward the beginning of, of mine and um but every time he would see me he would always encourage me hey man keep it up good job you know and, and, and even now you know Seven eight years later, every time I see him at a convenience store or in the, or in the food line or you know in Walmart or, or whatever, or if he's in our school, you know he's a mentor um, in our school, and, and if, if I see him, he always greets me, and we always just you know we're always cordial for each other, um, and 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 I'm I don't have uh, any doubt in my mind that that he are, I don't have any thought in my mind that. He, you know, has racial tendencies toward, you know, as far as in, in his in his job capacity. I don't know him personally, uh, but you know, I don't never had a reason to suspect that he's racist. Um, you know, I, I've searched for st statistics for my county, 
Uh, and we don't have any reports of pr- police brutality. Uh, found a, a website, and I can't remember. Um, I think it's like police brutality database or something. And you can drill down by uh, by department. Um, there are no reports of any police brutality in our county uh, in that database. So uh, I'm definitely not anti-police. I love the police. Right? They, their job is to protect and to serve me. Um, you know, but there have been statistically across our across our nation um, almost twice the number you know percentage wise of uh, negative police interactions with African Americans as there are white people now are there are there African American criminals absolutely there are Caucasian criminals there are Hispanic criminals there are Asian criminals there are criminals from every walk of life we live in a broken world right um, so I'm not anti-police but I am becoming anti-policy um, starting to learn and to realize there are certain policies in place that disproportionately affect people of color. Uh, next time when we have a vote, I'm paying attention more to that stuff when I vote for how when I vote to uh, how candidates vote or feel about these policies. Uh, again, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm trying to get woke. I'm kind of waking up. Um, so what's the ultimate answer to any of this? It's Jesus. It's always been Jesus. It always will be Jesus. But for the here and now, it's still Jesus, right? And for me, it means that Jesus is changing how I see and how I react to others. He's rooting out and helping me to shed light on the small ways that I still have racist tendencies or views. Am I woke yet? Probably not, but I feel like I'm waking up. I'm trying to understand and to listen way more than I talk, Uh, like way more. Now, is that virtue signaling? I don't care. Call it what you want to. I'm trying to be honest and loving. And if you don't like it, well, I can't change how you receive me. Right? And that's something I'm working on, too. Uh, I've really tried hard to get everybody to like me all of my life. And that's kind of been a, a byproduct of uh, what we might call lifestyle evangelism. Right? If I can just, just act a certain way, people will see me and, and see my life and say, wow, I want some of what he's having. Right? And, and certainly our lives should reflect the, the hope that we found in Christ. But, you know, at what point at what point do we tell people about the gospel directly versus just trying to live it out and hope that they will see it, right? Um, I, in my experience, lifestyle evangelism alone doesn't work. Uh, it often may just have negative consequences uh, because we try to be righteous and we, we have self-righteousness, and, and, and that's not good, right? People want to see us grapple and wrestle with hard issues, and they want to see us allow the Holy Spirit to change us when we need to be changed. And then they will know our faith is real. And that's where I'm at right now. I'm wrestling, not against flesh and blood, but against, as the Bible says, principalities and the spiritual rulers of the earth. It's a process, and I'm committed to the journey. I don't know where it's going to end. Hopefully, uh, during my life here on this earth, I will see it end in a country that no longer has policies that negatively affect people of color. I hope that it will end with my children and and other children of color to be able to go about their life doing normal daily things without being eyed suspiciously or harassed. Um, That's my hope. Now, I know the ultimate hope, and and I I like putting it like this, you know, in a thousand years, in a thousand years from now, um, I know that I will be around the throne worshiping my Creator because uh, I've been forgiven of my sins through my faith in Christ. And, 
And, and that's where I want to see everyone, the whole world. That's where I want to see my children. But in the meantime, you know, in the here and now, uh, we should be living out the gospel uh, and seeking to uh, have justice for those who are oppressed. And so um, I feel like I'm kind of waking up. Um, and my virtue signaling? Is it, you know, do people perceive it as, as being fake? Well, you wouldn't be that way if you didn't have two, you know, African-American kids. Yeah, you're probably right. And that's awful. It's awful that that's true. Um, and I, but I thank God for my two little brown skin babies, right? Because they're helping me to see things in a different light. Um, and God's using them in my life to help me see things differently. And um, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to end. I hope it ends um, with justice uh, for those who are oppressed. Uh, I believe only the Holy Spirit can, can really do that, can really bring that about. And, uh, and I'm praying for that. And uh, I hope you'll join me in prayer too. So that's been episode nine. Uh, and that's my telephone. We still have a rotary phone, one of the ones that's on the wall. And it's got the whole circle pad and everything. You have to put your fingers in, in the little uh, the little number dial pad and, you know, swish it around and it goes like that, you know. Anyways, sorry. It was, the only calls we get on that are from like telemarketers. Uh, but we just keep it because it's cool. We're kind of retro like that, I guess. But anyways, uh, I hope this has been uh, an encouragement for you. It's definitely been cathartic for me. Uh, this is an important issue right now more than ever. And, and I'm, I'm way late to the party, but I'm glad I'm here. Uh, if, this is confi- if this has offended you or caused you to feel consternated in some way or uh, to put it affectionately as, as some uh, older, as some of the, the older or the greatest generation would call it, if this has got you all quiet up, um, you know, please reach out to me. Uh, my heart is not to offend or to criticize. Uh, I want to have open and, and honest dialogue about these issues. Um, you can reach me at uh, drummerguy at gmail.com. That's the word drum, the number three, the letter R, and then the word guy, drum3rguy at gmail.com. You can look me up on Instagram at drummerguy, same same stupid spelling. <laughs> Why did I ever pick that? Because um, I thought it was cool. Uh, drum three R guy, drummer guy. Uh, I would love to talk about this. Uh, also, if this has encouraged you or enraged you, if you were like, "Man, this has been great," or "I can't believe what this idiot has said," share it. Share it with somebody that that you like, or maybe you don't like. I don't know. Um, you can direct people to Anchor.fm slash Another Men Cast. Or have them search for another ministry podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, uh, many of the other common platforms that are out there. And finally, if you could, would you take a moment to re- to uh, leave a review uh, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts? Uh, these ratings help our podcast to get promoted on those platforms. They promote podcasts that have positive reviews, and so uh, that would be greatly appreciated. Um, Thanks for joining this podcast. Please pray for our nation, for our world. Uh, you know they they need Jesus. We all need Jesus, and uh, may we be the ones to show them the love that He has shown us. Thanks for tuning in, and until next time, love, peace, and chicken grease.